The Hornets still don't have a coach, but we do have an update we'll talk about today. Plus, the NBA draft prospects started working out at the Spectrum Center. We'll talk about one that could be a first-round pick and another guy who decided to go back to college. All of that after I discuss myself getting aggregated for the first time, irresponsibly so. It was very weird. We're going to break it down today on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are Locked on Hornets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. And you can follow us on Twitter, Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson LOH. He is the founder of the podcast. You can find the show handle at Locked On Hornets. And you can find me on Twitter at Walker Mail covered charlotte sports for a while now and apparently i've been reporting some nonsensical trades according to the inquisitor Why'd you do that i you know it was irresponsible <laughs> of me that was something i shouldn't have done because i don't have any sources right now that are feeding me what could potentially happen as far as a trade for deandre goes i because i'm not working hard enough and so i decided to make something up <laughs> what happens um All man right, well. I, that's look so i i checked out my mentions yesterday and the first thing and i geez. see yeah, first thing I see is Nada. Shout out to Nada, Lockdown Hornets fam, an OG himself that is gonna step up for you. That's my that that's appreciated. He sets well, so he he quote tweets a headline from the Inquisitor, and I'm gonna try the to pull now? up the, the yeah this website. Apparently, I didn't realize this website even existed, but there's a lot of followers, whatever, and so apparently. This is something they do. They try to do the whole clickbait thing. So the headline was NBA rumors, colon, Hornets could offer Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, and three first rounders to Suns for DeAndre Ayton. I want to read the first part. Hornets could offer all of those things, right? Miles, PJ, and three first rounders to the Suns for DeAndre Ayton. Not a quote tweeted it and said, so basically you decided to irresponsibly aggregate Walker Mail. Got it. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, what's going on? So I click on the article and it's here's what they have to say. Quote, meanwhile, in a recent episode of Lockdown Hornets podcast, NBA analyst Walker Mail talked about the Hornets and their potential pursuit of Aiton in the upcoming free agency. Aiton may not be as good as Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic right now, but Mail believes that the Hornets should be willing to, quote, give up a lot to bring him to Charlotte this summer. <laughs> OK, oh, I did say that I'd be willing to give up a lot. 11 uh -huh. days ago. I mean, this was 11 days ago and it dropped last night. So I guess 10 <laughs> days from when they decided to drop it. Either way, it goes on to convince the Suns to engage in a sign and trade deal. Okay. Mail suggested that the Hornets could offer them a trade package that includes Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, the number 13 and number 15 picks in the 2022 NBA draft and another future draft pick. Wow. That's a lot, Walker. Why did you say that? <laughs> It's, it's a lot. I did not suggest that the Hornets should do that. Here, it, allow me to clear this up for a second, Doug, if you don't okay. mind. Okay. Oh, well, I don't think I have like, a choice at this point. In fact, well, I'm, I'm look, just I'm just gonna head out. He's to take care of business. Well, <laughs> don't don't come back. <laughs> don't don't leave me. Don't leave me. I want a witness at least, and, and right. at least somebody that's working with me on this. First of all, you know, when trying to decide whether to address this or not, if 
this wasn't getting picked up by a lot of people and being misconstrued then I'd probably just leave it alone, right? Like, whatever. I do that a lot on Twitter where, you know, people are saying crazy stuff. I I, I hate Twitter arguing more than anything. I, I don't engage. I hate it. I probably should engage more than I should. In fact, a lot of people have told me I should, but I just can't help it. I, I hate it. Um, Here, there's been a lot of people kind of running with it. Uh, there have been quite a few followers that have said, hey, this is stupid. Walker didn't say anything like that. And I appreciate those people. And, and there was a lot. But also it's being quote tweeted. What? Why would Walker suggest this? Why are the Charlotte Hornets going to do this? This is stupid. Uh, they, they can't anyways, right? So that's why I feel the need to address it, just to provide some clarity. If you go back almost two weeks ago, when we talked about this sort of thing, it was Rod Boone giving us the hot, spicy sausage in the Charlotte Observer, right? That's what you called it? That's right, Walker. I did call Rod Boone's take on the in the Charlotte Observer a spicy hot sausage. Uh, that's right. So you you did that because he was suggesting that the Hornets trade both of their first round picks this year mm-hmm. to Phoenix to try to make something happen for DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton or at least move them to make something like that happen. And that would be a starting point as far as a negotiation goes. Use the, ter- the two first rounders as a starting point. Mm-hmm. What I said was that Yes, I even understand the spirit of bartering where, hey, you know, you try to come in with a lower offer because you don't want to give up too much without being inclined to do so, right? (laughs) Either way, I don't think Phoenix is going to trade DeAndre Ayton for a 13th and 15th overall pick. That was the spirit of my comment. But I did say, and this was not as clear, and so I'll take responsibility for this. What I did say was, you need to include Miles Bridges. At the time, we thought that was a necessity. That's kind of changed a little because we've heard his agent come out. It looks like he's going to exit that organization. But at the time, I said they probably have to have Miles Bridges included here. And if not Miles Bridges, along with those two first-round picks, P.J. Washington. I said, in addition, probably could be misconstrued. What I meant was, Miles in a couple of first rounders or PJ in a couple of first rounders and then, you know, whatever kind of protection on another first rounder that you might add. But that's what I meant, right? In addition to the first rounders this year, either Miles or PJ, I would give up a good bit. Like I love DeAndre. I probably value him more than a lot of people, at least from opinions I've heard, you know, whatever. I, I actually kind of overshot a trade value for him compared to what the rest of the market is saying, especially if DeAndre is hell bent on getting out of that organization. So that's what makes this even harder is the fact that some of this has changed because they waited 11 days before they put this out. But I didn't say the Hornets should be doing this. I didn't say that, hey, you know, based on sources, the Hornets could be doing this. Like, it was just basically to say that the 13th and the 15th pick aren't going to be enough to land DeAndre Ayton. That was the point. And that's what I wanted to clear up based off this, you know, article that's like everybody's retweeting. What the hell? The Hornets are stupid if they do that. That was it. That was all I was and, trying you know, to and, and another thing, like, why were you the only one that was aggregated? I say all kinds of stuff on this show. I feel like it's a little unfair of the Inquisitor not to add some of my spicy hot sausages to this mm-hmm. article. Where was I? Uh, yeah, no, you, you should be. You should these, be aggregated. Listen, these websites, do stay away from do you, want to prove, do, you want, do you want to say something that might get aggregated two weeks from now? Like um, put out something crazy? Well, yeah, I would like, yeah, let's do that. Let's try to get aggregated by Inquisitor, which is spelled I-N-Q-U-I-S-I-T-R. They can't even spell it right, you know? So that's number one. Number two, like, just go look at this article. Like, it's just, it's made to 
uh, get SEO, to get on the Google searches. Like, I mean, this is this is not a real website. I don't even know why we're talking about it. This is not ESPN. This is not Fox Sports. This is not, you know, The Athletic. It's not any kind of reputable. This is a clickbait farm of a website. It, the it really kind is. that always crop up around this time in the NBA offseason because we're not even really in the NBA offseason yet. I mean, we still got the finals. But this is the time when these kind of articles come out. Uh, but yes, I will do. But you know what? It's good for the podcast. People see it. People see the name. So I'm going to do something right now. Here we go. You ready? I'm so ready. I can't wait. Okay. Hey, Walker, everybody knows there's a uh, one NBA head coaching vacancy still left. That's with the Charlotte Hornets. Mm-hmm. And a lot of names floating out right now. We know Darvin Ham, not one of them. He's going to go join the Lakers. But Kenny Atkinson's still out there. Mike D'Antoni's still out there. But there's one name that I haven't heard mentioned yet that I think could be very interesting if You're they saved. would mm-hmm. hire him. And that's. Hubie Brown. Oh, How about that? Oh, man. He's coming back. The czar. Hubie, well, oh, he's Hubie the czar. just doesn't know when to quit. <laughs> the fact that he could come back to the Charlotte Hornets and coach, that would be unbelievable. Let's I put can't false wait. information in there, too. Hubie Brown, the czar, coming back. Yep, there you go. So I can't wait to read about that. Doug Branson, an NBA analyst slash producer on Locked on Hornets podcast. Two weeks from now, we will be reading about this take, despite the Hornets probably having actually named a head coach at that point. Maybe not. Maybe that actually is probably something that's not true. Um, We still don't have one yet. We'll try to figure it all out. Just wanted to put that out there, provide some type of clarity that uh, took place on Twitter and uh, some of the write-ups last night. All right. I do want to talk about a coaching update that, of course, Jake Fisher wrote about, and he reported it, and... We're going to talk about it. I refuse to say aggregate. There are responsible ways to do it, but he reported it. So we're going to talk about this. A part of Bleacher Report. Don't aggregate me. Aggregate somebody that actually has some sources and some cred and Jake Fisher. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Now, before we talk about Bet Online, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL. Futures bets. Bet online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. Who is the leader in the clubhouse now? Do we have a split party on what the front office wants and what ownership wants as far as the head coach goes? We'll talk about that next on the Charlotte Hornets Locked On Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Kemba is out. LeBron got kicked out. Wade is old. Pop is a genius. Don't give up on social media, Doug. You just got to be social. Oh, that's real nice. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. Thanks for listening, though, by the way, Inquisitor. Thanks for listening. I mean, that's two more more YouTube hits. I don't think they did. I don't think that I think that's the whole point is the fact that they did not listen. I think because because Hank Lee also from WCNC shout out Tegna team represent. He put something out there about us, you know, mm-hmm. part of the team and actually quoted did this responsibly. And I think maybe they might have just read it. And I don't know. I, I you, we got to be done talking about it. You're right, Doug. But we can't give them any more love until you know two weeks from now. When we're talking about Hubie Brown either way. Um, 
Let's talk about this coaching update. Let's talk about something credible here. Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, he wrote this about the Charlotte Hornets in their coaching search. He said, quote, at this juncture, former Rockets head coach Mike D'Antoni and Golden State assistant Kenny Atkinson are widely believed to be the final names under serious consideration to replace James Borrego. No candidate has met with Charlotte Principal Governor Michael Jordan, sources said, believed to be the final step in the Hornets search process. That round of interviews could begin as early as this week after Jordan returns from an out-of-market vacation. All right. First things first. (laughs) Do you want to talk about that at all, or do you not want the smoke that might come with that? Oh, it's just uh, an out-of-market vacation is a funny way to put that. It was. I don't know. Just like, I don't, you know. Like he's not vacationing in Charlotte? Out of state? Uh, Like, yeah, is it? Well, Jordan, I mean, Jordan is out of market. Like he doesn't even live in Charlotte. He lives in Florida. Yeah. So is is it out of market of Florida or out? Of, I don't know. It's it's just a weird, weird way I to don't put know. that. Um, I yeah, I don't I don't, I don't have any I don't have right. any thought about uh, other than yes, this was it was always going to be the last step is to meet with Michael. Like you've got to mm-hmm. go down and kiss the ring and or kiss the six rings, and uh you know uh make make your make your plea to become head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. That was always going to be the last step. Is that the final step? Does Michael Jordan have a cat like some James Bond villain and he's petting yeah. it? And the final thing is he reaches out. You have to kick, kiss the six rings. I think that probably is it. Um, here's more from Jake Fisher. He said, Darvin Ham was a finalist for the Hornets opening and was scheduled to meet with Charlotte this Tuesday. So today, before agreeing on a four-year deal with the Lakers, sources said the sit-down would have marked Hornets general manager Mitch Kupchak's first development in his coaching search since spending the previous week in L.A. for agency workouts and pro days in advance of the draft. I do want to talk about this for a moment. Darvin Ham got announced the, to be the head coach for the Lakers just last week. I think it was... How disappointed four- were you? Yeah, I, I wanted Darvin. I, you know... Why did you want Darvin? It's hard to be crazy disappointed because we just don't know a ton about what he could do as a head coach. But I did want to start something fresh where a guy that's been given a lot of credit for his defensive prowess, being somebody that can connect with these players, a bunch of players came out and really gave, you know, a boat of confidence. Giannis being one of them, which is a pretty huge endorsement saying, yeah, this, you know, this is going to work. Right. Just basically, again, gave that boat of confidence for him. I, I wanted Darvin Ham. Um, did you but, did you read some of the reports that came out after Darvin Ham was hired about how like the Lakers fell in love with his knowledge of the X's and O's of the game that the players loved him that uh, there were reports that he told uh, he told Rambus to take a seat like mm-hmm. no don't interfere like he's he's able to throw his weight around now how long will that last if they don't win some ball games we'll have to see but that had to make you like oh man yeah he could have come in coming to Charlotte and done the same thing. And put Michael Jordan in his place and put Mitch Kupchak in his place saying, this is what I'm going to do. I, I like Darvin Ham. He was my number one choice. So, yeah, I wish he would have been still available. My, my question is, you know, here's Mitch Kupchak trying to take care of some draft stuff, which it's exactly what he's supposed to do in some regard. But I can't help but wish that there would have been a meeting taking place, you know, before he actually gave this decision to L.A., you know, so Milwaukee, they get bounced from the playoffs before this seven game series against the Miami Heat. They got bounced by Boston and there just wasn't a meeting between those two, I guess, afterwards, as I read it. Maybe that's not true. I guess maybe there could have been another meeting. I don't know, but it didn't it, it read like they, they didn't have that meeting yet. Um, and it was maybe one of those things where L.A. didn't want Darvin to leave the organization, didn't want to leave the premises. And so you get something done there. And look. 
Darwin could have chosen LA because you get to coach LeBron, Anthony Davis, a historic franchise. Like I, I get the appeal of that. I'm not dumb. I get all of that. Just, I wish we could have gotten him in the door to at least force him to tell us no. And, uh, you know, in the end, I guess he kind of does anyway, because there is no meeting. No, I don't have a problem with this. I've said it on this show many times, even though the Inquisitor has not bothered to aggregate this, but the Charlotte Hornets had 0% chance of hiring Darvin Ham. Darvin Ham uh, was, was uh, unless the Lakers completely bungled it and, and, and went after someone else, Darvin Ham, I just always felt like was going to be the Lakers head coach. There were just too many signs and signals that that was happening, and any kind of whispers that you heard about Ham to Charlotte I think we're all in service of the final deal that got done in L.A. So I don't have any problem with Mitch Kupchak and all of these people not wasting their time on meeting with someone that had really zero intention of of being the next head coach of the Hornets. All right, so Darvin Ham no longer. He's going to be the L.A. Lakers head coach, so we have to move on. And it looks like it's going to be either Kenny Atkinson or Mike D'Antoni, and it doesn't seem like Terry Stotts <laughs> is going to be considerably, uh, considerably con- or, or considered, I should say. So... Like Mike D'Antoni and Kenny Atkinson, at the beginning of this process, I favored Kenny Atkinson a little bit more. That kind of switched as the process went on. And we talked with Adam Armbrecht of Locked On Nets. He kind of gave us the lowdown on Kenny Atkinson. I'm more team Mike D'Antoni over Kenny. When yes! we did our, yeah, for sure. And when we when we went our rankings, um, and James Plowright reached out to a bunch of Hornets media contributors, I put Darvin Ham one. I put David Vanderpool two, Sean Sweeney three. I was going the assistants, and then I put Mike D'Antoni four. I think I put Kenny Atkinson five, and then the other two, you know, it, it just wouldn't have happened for me. Um, man, I just think that Kenny Atkinson, you know, he gets a lot of credit for allowing that team to have some type of success when nothing would go right. You couldn't tank because those picks were going to Boston, and they didn't have enough talent to win, so you were in no man's land. And finally, they get D'Angelo Russell. They do a good job of somewhat salvaging that career into something, you know, pretty valuable where he was bouncing around from a couple of other teams that, you know, wanted to use his services. But the next year, he has a losing record. And I think that was kind of weird because, you know, you have this you have this growth. And then the next year, a lot of people aren't considering, well, why do they take a step back? Uh, you know, a bunch of people attribute Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving wanted to move on from Kenny Atkinson. But at the same time, was his success overwhelming the next season enough for you to say, yeah, let's keep him like we have to have him in place. Look, I'm not going to be crazy disappointed if Kenny Atkinson is the guy, but I do want Mike D'Antoni as that next head coach for the Charlotte Hornets. If it comes down between these two candidates. Well, 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 look who has finally come over to Camp D'Antoni. I've been here a while. We've been cooking up. Uh, some uh, nice 50-win pasta over here in D'Antoni land. 50-piece nuggets. That's what you guys eat over there. 50-piece nuggets. We're serving mm-hmm. them hot and fresh. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining us finally. Uh, yeah, welcome. Mike D'Antoni's the name. Look, Kenny, I think the, the interesting thing from the Fisher uh, report, and I don't know if this is what he's hearing or if this was a little bit of his analysis dropped in there, uh, but th- there, there seems to be this idea that Kenny Atkinson – might be another Borrego situation where you bring a guy right. in who is developing young talents, but can he do it in the playoffs? There's only one name, one person out there right now that's a serious candidate that you can say for sure has done it in the play, has gotten teams to the playoffs and and found success in the playoffs. And look, 
know, if if the team's not really serious about like bringing in the veteran talent necessary to to get to the playoffs, uh, then I think at least they should find a head coach that knows how to do it. Uh, but I think honestly, if they do bring in D'Antoni, that will force the management's hand a little bit to say, all right, we got Dan Tony. You got to get that guy talent. That guy's worked with talent before. He knows what the deal is. You give him some ingredients. He can cook. Let's go. Dan Tony's the only name in my mind and hopefully they get the deal done. Yeah. I, I want Mike Dan Tony. If it comes down between these two, I think that's a good point. I think the appeal of having Kenny Atkinson is exactly what's stated in this player development type role, which he did well with Brooklyn. We just talked about some careers. I don't know about if they were, you know, salvaged all across the board, but we saw guys get better on Kenny Atkinson's watch. And that in itself is enticing. We are discussing now you have to try to make that transition from player development into a win now and, and try to find that marriage of both. And Kenny Atkinson also, you know, relies a lot on drop coverage, right? From what you've seen, having a Jarrett Allen during his time with Brooklyn doing a good job. We don't have that. You have to get that piece. Maybe the calculus changes, but you know, Dan Tony. Now, I'll tell you this, Doug. One thing that scares me about D'Antoni is there are reports that he would go after Jim Boylan, who had just a chaotic disaster of a time with the Chicago Bulls behind the scenes, and he would want to go get Jim Boylan to put on his staff. That scares me. Like that, That's bad to me. Does that scare you all that much? Well, it would scare me if Jim Boylan were the head coach. Uh, yeah. You know, but if you're talking about D'Antoni, this guy who's known for – you know, all right, let's get up and down. Let's go really fast. Let's play a lot of offense. I don't really want to worry about the defense. You know, I mean, bringing in a guy like Boylan, who's sort of more old school and can and can inf- a little bit of an enforcer, you know, Boylan the bulldog, you know, kind of situation where, you know, Dan Doney doesn't have to be the bad guy. He can focus on the fun stuff and get Boylan to come in there. I mean, listen, you know, I got, I got, a, I got a new kid, as everyone knows. I have a baby. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a little bit of that always a little bit of tug and war with the parents all the time. You're trying to be the fun parent. You want to, you know, uh, try to position yourself in that way. Um, uh, I'm certainly trying to do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with D'Antoni trying to do that. It's nothing wrong with trying to be the fun parent. He, uh, Jim Boylan is noted as a, a defensive coach, but there was some drama between Boylan and the bulls. There was some friction between the star and Jim Boylan and Zach Levine. That's you know, fine. That, you know, that's fine. But that's a head coach. Along, so what like, I'm saying to you, Walker, is that's a head coaching situation. This is not going to be I'm that just, situation. I'm just giving the people the, the, the rhetoric on old Jim Boylan. That's what I'm saying. No, what doing. you're trying to do is the inquisitor is going to have you uh, and, and your face next to Jim Boylan's face saying that you mm. don't think that Jim Boylan should ever coach again. Yeah, uh, I hope I hope that doesn't happen. I don't I don't want any more. I want to be, you know, just Homer Simpson in the bushes, right? I don't want to be in the limelight with some of those takes. Just keep me here in my locked on world. That's where I want to be. Considering that, let's talk a little bit more on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Coming up next, we're going to talk maybe a little bit more about the coaching search. One other thing I wanted to get to, but also some NBA draft prospects worked out for the Charlotte Hornets at the Spectrum Center this weekend. One guy could be a first round pick for them. Another guy I thought. Could be pretty interesting, but now he's going back to school. We'll get to that in just a moment, all today on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. All right, so so we've got Al, or we've got the question, how? Like, how did Miles do that? Can you help us end this debate with so much, an unbelievable amount on the line? Uh, Doug, I respect you to the nth degree, um, but Walker, I'm telling you, it, was just, it came... It, ah. 
every single person who saw that reacted that way. Some of us just were tight That's right. tighter than others. And I just had to release this from my body. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Let's talk about the NBA draft prospects that worked out with the Hornets over the weekend. The two most notable, it was Tari Eason, the forward from LSU, who is a projected first round pick, could possibly even go in that lottery range. He worked out for the Hornets as well as Terquavion Smith, who was rising up draft boards. One of the guards for NC State, that was awesome, and Darion Sebron and Terquavion Smith. Uh, Smith averaged like 17 points per game good shooter on pretty high volume, 37% from three. But I was fully prepared to talk about some Terquavion Smith takes. I thought he was probably going to be in that range where the Hornets weren't going to take him at 15 and he would not last to the second round like originally thought when he entered the process and they weren't going to have him. Um, I mean, he was probably inching closer and closer to being close to that 15th overall selection. Either way, Doug, it doesn't matter. Terquavion Smith is actually going back to NC State, despite what I think he probably would have been a top 20 pick. It's pretty surprising. You know, probably the best returner among anybody that entered the, the draft cycle and is deciding to go back to Raleigh, which is huge news for some of the local Wolfpack fans that might be listening. But, I mean, he, he would have been fun for the Hornets. I, I don't think that would have been all that possible. Um, but, yeah, you know, certainly not anymore with him going back to NC State. Well, yeah, obviously, uh, he sees some value in going back. Uh, maybe he sees an opportunity to move up in, in into the, uh, you know, maybe mid uh, lottery. And look, there's some guys. Uh, Abaji's one of them, four year guy out of Kansas. It's not impossible. Certainly, to be in that elite, elite class of like top five picks, you're you're more than likely going to have to be 19 or 20 years old. That's just where everything is. But it's not impossible to climb up into that late lottery, even mid lottery uh, section. Uh, if you know the the stigma's not that as bad as it was, it's still possible. So maybe he just sees an opportunity there. Yeah, man, I I loved his game. You know, he could handle the basketball. I, I thought he could pass pretty well. Um, I, I think the high volume. He, he shot eight threes a game and made thirty seven percent. But like alongside a guy like Darion Sebron, who who can't shoot but can attack like hell, probably didn't give him a whole lot of space to work with on the three point line. Either way, I, I really liked him. But I guess we'll just save this for next year when he enters the NBA draft, presumably. Um, one guy that is going to enter and stay, it's Tari Eason from LSU. Doug, you kind of it, you kind of like Tari Eason, right? Like I think that's been somebody that you've uh, talked about in a glowing way. You know, he's really interesting. Um, so 6'8", power forward, sophomore out of LSU. I mean, the, the the read on him is that he just plays like a Tasmanian devil, just a 100% energy all the time on both ends of the floor. Defensively, he kind of just the physical tools spec out a lot like Kawhi Leonard. And, and some of the defensive IQ, too, uh, you really like. I mean, he can clamp down multiple positions, and I think that's going to be – the, the skill that immediately transfers. What makes you question his ability to become Kawhi Leonard at some point is on the offensive end where he could oftentimes get really boxed in. If he could get to his right hand, he was great, but it was easy to get him to go left. And then once he went to the left, it was turnover city or weird shot city. And so I think there are some questions about offensive IQ. Is he going to be able to put that together on the next level? And I think that's why He's late lottery, but big boards are all over the place on this guy. Uh, there are some big boards that have him top 10. 
that say the potential is just sky high, and then other big boards that are worried about some of those things that have him slated right around 15. And so if the Hornets take him at 15, I'm happy. If they take him at 13, I'm less happy. Yeah, I, I think with Tari, the guy is huge and he's athletic. Like he's a fun player. He will dunk on you. He does try to get to the rim. <laughs> he will dunk on you. Often, uh, oftentimes, you know, he's successful. Like really efficient. Seventeen points per game on twenty-four minutes. I mean, that's Ooh, look at that insane. wingspan. Look at this. Okay. seven. This is the Kawhi part. Seven foot two inch wingspan. Um, Mama. came off of the bench, you know, one six man of the year, uh, in the sec finishes. Well, he gets to the line, 80% free throw shooter. He got there close to six times per game. So that's something you like to see. I do think he's probably like an average shooter. I, I think it can translate. I, he launches it from the right side. He brings it low. It's a little flat, but at the same time, like, I, I think he'll be a decent shooter. My biggest thing with him, Doug, like defensively watching him, he had great stock numbers, steal and block numbers. The the percentages were good for him. You know, he put up some really impressive defensive numbers. I do think if you watch him go for that stuff, though, I think a lot of that is because he turns and chases. So mm. if you watch some of the bigger plays that he made, I think he leaves his guy. I don't think he really sees ball and man while getting in the right position. IDK about like his, you know, like his defensive footwork, you know, his positioning, his uh. mobility translating. Jimmy, I think smarter, Jimmy Boylan is not going to like that. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I think smarter NBA players um, are going to hit his guy once he leaves them. So, you know, but, but still I, part of this is what can be coached in the NBA to fix these problems. And what do you think is just probably going to be a part of his NBA style of, you know, whatever he's going to be. I, I, I do think though, there's some intriguing stuff there. Like at 15. Okay. The yeah. other thing I'll mention real quickly, I do think he's redundant. You know, I, all right. So we thought PJ and miles might be redundant, but they can play on the floor. I, I just think if you get somebody on this team that can do some of the things PJ and miles do, but you know, he's not as good of a passer as miles or PJ. He's not a good, as good of a shooter as PJ. Certainly. I, I don't think defensively, like even playing that small ball five, he, he's not going to be able to do that. Like PJ can. So even if you move on from Washington, even if that's a part of the future, I don't know if you bring in Tari as just this uh, immediate replacement. So th those are some of my thoughts on the LSU product. Well, I don't think anyone that they draft at 13 or 15 will be an immediate replacement for anyone. That's why I've been advocating for them to trade one of these draft picks because I just really feel like there's going to be better value, more immediate re replacement opportunities if you actually trade the pick than make the pick. The second thing is I don't care about redundancy at all because P.J. Washington is a classic case of drafting a guy who felt redundant at the time and then ended up moving through your system and improving certain aspects of his game. You stay patient, and suddenly he's a, a big value and a possible trade or a big contributor for you next season. Uh, and, and also, I don't think anyone that plays – defense with the intensity that Tari Eason does and the commitment that Tari Eason does. Okay, maybe there are some skill things that you can work out and improve on on the NBA level, but that intensity, that defensive focus, that is not redundant. That would be unique on this Charlotte Hornets basketball team. Not uh, a lot yeah. of players on this Hornets team were really caring that much about the defensive end of the ball. I mean, I, I think the focus, it's, you know, wanting to floor, make sure that ball. your man is accounted for. You I was know, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said defensive did. end of the ball because I was running out of breath and ball took less time to say than floor. Uh, what that's I meant fine. to say was defensive end of the floor. Yeah, that's fine. Tari I just want to make sure that that inquisitor aggregates me correctly. I didn't inquisitor. 
I didn't mean mm-hmm. to say ball. I meant to say floor. Yeah, that's right. Hubie Brown, Tari Eason, really good on the defensive side of the ball. That's what we're going to see as a headline. No, defensive end of the floor. I think you said ball, though. And I think well, that's I said what you defensive meant. end of the that's ball. What that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to correct myself. What I meant to say was defensive end of the floor. All right, we'll try to do a little better job talking about some other future draft prospects as these guys roll in. That was the first big group from what I understand for the Hornets. And so, um, yeah, we'll continue to talk about these guys, the more notable ones um, that could be first round picks. And then maybe we can get to some of the second rounders as the draft process goes along. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. We appreciate you hopping on with us, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, making us your first listen every day. Make your second listen, Lockdown NBA. From the first jump ball of the play-in tournament to the last possession of the finals, Lockdown experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. 